And we welcome you to the Monday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. We are beginning the week with a brand new encounter on the morning show. That is for the very first time I am meeting and you are meeting on the morning show, uh, Jim Padilla, who is the Dean of the School of Business and Economics at Carthage and A.W. and Mary Margaret Clausen, Distinguished Professor of Management and Marketing. And we're going to be finding out today from Jim Padilla about this School of Business and Economics, which opened uh, last fall, that is the fall of 2022 at Carthage, and the new approach which it takes to the whole matter of business and teaching business-related uh, disciplines, a new uh, holistic approach that is really quite exciting and reflective of what is happening at uh, quite a number of, of, of other schools as we move into the uh, 21st century. And although the School of Business and Economics, uh, in a sense, opened for business, if you will, back uh, in the fall of this academic year, uh, they are, in a sense, launching in a real public way with a celebratory event coming up on Wednesday, the 5th of April. And uh, we'll be finding out also about what's going to be happening on that particular day and uh, the very special guest that is being brought in as the keynote speaker. But in, in the meantime, I'm so happy for the very first time uh, to welcome to the morning show uh, Jim Padilla. We are so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me, Greg. Uh, because this is your first visit to the morning show, I think it would be uh, fitting and interesting for us to just learn a little bit about uh, your own background, kind of your personal and professional life, which ultimately uh, took you to Carthage uh, less than a year ago. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do have a really interesting background, I think, and not for self-promotion purposes, but I spent 23 years in the sports and entertainment insurance industry, um, which was unique in and of itself. Um, Part of that overlapped actually with my desire to get into higher education, which started with what we refer to as the uh, itch to teach. And I started as an adjunct and then uh, eventually applied for a full-time position as a sport management and business law professor. Um, and where was this? Uh, originally, my first position was at the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hmm. Okay. So. Tell us, tell us from there where things have taken you. Um, I, higher ed has taken me a, around the country in essence, uh, both as a professor and then also in terms of my administrative roles. So we've been in predominantly in the Midwest, but also out east. And then uh, came back to the Midwest back in 2016 and then started teaching at um, or the dean role first at Loris College, and then this position came open at Carthage. Um, uniquely, <clears throat> the real attractive piece to this was um, my next-door neighbor growing up in Hickory Hills, Illinois, was uh, a kid named Mike Psycho, and Mike was a Carthage grad. Ah. Um, so Mike was four years younger than me, and when this position opened up, Mike and I had a conversation about the direction of Carthage College. Then I spoke to the search firm, and then I spoke to President Swallow and Provost Timmerman, and couldn't have gotten more excited about the opportunity in the direction of Carthage College and the School of Business and Economics. And my understanding is that uh, you were, in a sense, a founding dean at Loris, uh, as you are here at Carthage. That is, in, in both situations, in both settings, you were brought in, essentially, to kind of create something, not exactly from scratch. I mean, it's more about putting together elements that already exist, but in a sense, 
shaping a department into to being something new. Yeah, part of that role, obviously, um, is about building um, a bit of a structure, but the structure is organically in place. Um, but bringing faculty together to think more collaboratively and then also to think about how to evolve into the future vision for what a school can become, meaning a, an academic unit can become. Um, so part of that is envisioning what talent do we have, what can we build towards, and what new ventures lie ahead for not only the current students that are a part of the institution, but then also the future students and prospective students that might be considering attending Carthage. Very good. Tell us a little bit about this town in Illinois uh, where you come from. Did you say Hickory Hills or something? Yeah, something yes. very idyllic sounding. <laughs> it's it's and it even sounds a little bit remote as well too. But actually, it's a, essentially a near southwest suburb of Chicago. Huh. So um, grew up there my entire life. Um, next door neighbors were there. Um, if you could think historic approach, um, it was a brand new neighborhood way back in the late '60s, and all the families that moved in there were predominantly blue collar families, blue collar parents, and um, the kids that grew up we all are very well connected and spent many years together so growing up would we have seen a lot of numbers in your life I mean does that I mean were you at a very early age already kind of tilted in this direction or I mean <laughs> or I mean what what was drawing you and what ultimately pulled you into that first professional path yeah oddly no um, you know I, I uh, actually have an undergraduate degree in sociology Oh. So most people look at me and say, how did you end up in this business world with an undergraduate degree in sociology? Um, part of it was also a vision for myself that when I entered w with a conscious thought of moving in on to law school after undergraduate years, um, when I was in law school, I made the purposeful decision to try to do everything I could to work in the sports industry. Hmm. So while in law school, I did a number of internships um, with agents as well as uh, an intercollegiate athletic department and really tried to open my mind up towards what, um, how much experience could I get in the sports industry to change my trajectory. And, and it worked, um, but oddly, it worked in a way in which I didn't even anticipate. Um, one of those internships exposed me to the unique insurance world of what's called athlete disability insurance. And um, I worked on part of it as uh, an intern at one of those uh, NFL and NBA agents' offices. Um, and then as I was graduating law school, every agent that offered me a position offered it at 100% commission, which means uh, I wouldn't get paid until I landed a client, which mm -hmm. I wasn't so intrigued about because it takes about a 12-month cycle to land your first client. So um, as we all know, college debt, especially law school debt, uh, is something that weighs on your mind when you're graduating. Um, but at the same time, same time, I was offered um, a position at one of those insurance companies that um, provided that athlete disability insurance, and they described a position that they would have for me there. And as, as weird as it sounded at the time, I was intrigued, and I thought, if this is the door that I'm going to enter through, um, I'm going to go through it. And, and little did I expect it to be 23 years worth of background and experience in that area. Wow. Well, I hope there's a few minutes available at the end of the hour. It would be fun to hear more about that earlier chapter in your life. But sure. we should circle back to the central matter at hand. And let me reintroduce you for anyone just joining us. My guest on the morning show today is Jim Padilla, who is dean of the School of Business and Economics at Carthage College, which... Uh, 
opened for business, shall we say, back in the fall of 2022. I promise to stop saying that. And uh, the uh, School of Business and Education, in a sense, draws together faculty from several different but closely related disciplines. And uh, they're going to be having a celebratory launch of the school uh, on Wednesday, the April 5th, uh, April 5th, and we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. So Jim Padilla, one of the interesting things as I was kind of reading about the School of Business and Economics and reading about the degree programs in accounting, business administration, economics, finance, management, marketing, I'm realizing that as an outsider looking in, I have almost no idea what any of those things mean. I mean, in the most basic sense, of course, most of us know what some of those things are. But I think for a lot of us, those just all sort of blur together. They're just like different names for the same thing. And, and of course, that's just, that's just kind of stupid. But, I mean, that's, that's for those of us who are not part of the world that, that you are a part of and that you are teaching students about, uh, it really kind of is sort of a blur. Could you just for a moment kind of outline for us these distinct elements within the school of business and economics and just give us a little clearer sense, or at least me a clearer sense, of, of what each of those aspects, the, each of those academic disciplines really mean, what, what, what each of them approach. Sure. I mean, from, from our perspective, we offer five different majors currently within the School of Business, um, uh, accounting, finance, economics, marketing, and management. Um, in those areas, they're all rel- relatively core concepts that need to be taught in, in any academic business setting. Um, each one offers their uniqueness of a, a perspective of education that each business student would need to know. So at Carthage, just like many other business schools, many students will take introductory and principal type courses in each one of those areas and then roll into their more specific courses within their majors. Um, Accounting and finance are our two quantitative areas. Economics is also a cross between quantitative, but it also has a semblance of social science behind it as well, too. And then in terms of marketing and management, you're talking the non-quantitative, the more qualitative side of it. Although marketing is shifting and Swell's management is shifting more towards understanding and appreciating the quantitative side, particularly from an analytics perspective or data science perspective, which we have um, a major outside the School of Business at Carthage College in um, data science. So each one of those areas offers something unique to a student, but also something core. Um, Every... Uh, business organization that's out there wants a student who has an appreciation for each one of those concepts. But one of the uh, majors in terms of distinctiveness that an employer might be looking for is if they're filling for for positions that are specifically related to a certain area, that's where a student might want to be more focused. That's where a student and uh, an employer might be looking for something that's very distinctful. When you're talking about things such as marketing, you're talking about um, building building brands. Um, you're talking about building a marketing strategy and integrated marketing strategy. You're talking about the sales aspect of that role as well, too. And whether it be a product, a service, no matter what it is that they're offering, appreciating that from that employer's uh, perspective. Hmm. Um, management is a very open-ended general sense. It's actually one of our largest majors. Hmm. Um, 
with management, you're getting a conceptual or appreciation for the organization itself and how to develop an organization, mm-hmm. um, how to handle change culture, how to develop that, how to also appreciate from a human resource perspective, talent identification, and how do we devote ourselves towards developing our talent internally. Um, so each one of those areas offers something that is distinctful. Probably one of our greatest highlights is our accounting program. Um, our accounting program and the most recent um, CPA uh, first-time passing results, they placed in the top 4% nationally on that exam with our Carthage graduates. It's pretty much a testament to the type of education that we deliver overall at Carthage College. It's very personal, it's very distinctive, and it's also very successful in terms of helping our students appreciate how to get to that next step. Um, The combination between the academic efforts from the faculty, along with what our Aspire Center is doing on campus, are really, truly unique and incredible. Um, It's probably a testament towards why we have such a great placement rate postgraduate within six months over 92% of our students on campus are finding employment. Very good. How about business administration? When I glance at these uh, various disciplines, I would have thought that that's really close to marketing, or not, sorry, uh, to, to management, to, you know, to management of personnel and so on. And, and, uh, and I suspect that business administration maybe involves some of that, but, uh, but is not really focused on that in the same way. Well, at the undergraduate level, we really we don't have a business administration degree. We have a management degree, but um, often people will refer to it as business management as well, too. Ah, okay. But interestingly enough, interchangeably at many campuses, whether you refer to it as management, business administration, normally the curriculum is very much similar. Um, you're going to find the same types of courses built throughout in those areas. Um, We do offer also two graduate programs as well, too. We have a graduate program in business design and innovation. Um, In our world, what we try to do is really create something that's unique. So um, I refer to it as the new MBA. The reality is um, our focus in design and innovation is really to get um, a student who is really a working professional at that age in our graduate program an appreciation for a design and innovation mindset that helps them grow within the organization itself. Um, Often people have misconstrued an MBA as being something that takes you on to the next employer, but that's not true. Um, It should be giving people an appreciation an appreciation for how to grow within the organization that they're at. Hmm. And with the design and innovation um, foresight as part of this process uh, academically, for our students, we're trying to give them an appreciation for how do you take your employer and your role within that employer and advance it. You know, gain an appreciation for what's the next product that that employer can develop. Hmm. Um, What's the next um, improvement that that employer can make to whether it be bottom line or just in terms of a process that they're using, whether it be a manufacturer or um, a service organization, how can they improve themselves and appreciating the role that you play within it? So a lot of entrepreneurial type of concepts being built in that design and innovation. And then the other graduate program that is a huge highlight for us, and it's also going to um, tail into our undergraduate roles as well too, is our sport management program at the graduate level. Um, That is really growing quickly, Um, even for our location, small town, regionally located. 
But our sport management program is actually starting to garner a bit of national interest, um, which has been a, a tremendous highlight. And some of the stuff that we're doing is um, unique for the size of the institution that we are. Um, there are some very well, long-time established sport management programs in the country, and we're kind of rising in that direction. Um, our our um, foundation, which was built by um, uh, uh, Carter Rockhill uh, and Greg Barron um, helped establish it and move it in the right direction. Um, the support that we received from Craig Leopold, the owner of the Minnesota Wild, is really moving us in a great direction. In fact, uh, this past weekend, uh, Professor Carter Rockhill and myself were actually in Minneapolis with a group of undergraduate and graduate students, not only meeting with the executives from the Minnesota Wild, um, getting to interact with them and see the day-to-day -day operations. We also got a game day operations tour of the Minnesota Wild, as well as the NCHC uh, Division One hockey tournament, conference tournament that was going on as well, too. Mm. Um, I never thought I'd attend so many hockey games in such a short amount of time, but uh, <laughs> it was a great experience. Um, Craig was the foundation for our advisory board that we've set up, and now we have uh, an advisory board of up to 12 or 13 individuals that are both at the highest level, Milwaukee Bucks, Minnesota Wild, um, as well as Michigan State University, Louisiana State University, um, Chicago Wolves, Milwaukee Admirals. We're making very big uh, growth efforts in that area. Wow. And when somebody... Uh earns a, a master's degree in that, in that sports management, what does that, in a sense, prepare them to do? What, what, are, we, what are we talking about when we say sports management? Yeah, often it's, it's um, often people only think of it in terms of professional sports, but um, when you realize sports as an industry is a, a multi-billion dollar business, mm -hmm. there's a lot within not only the sports organizations themselves, but many, what we refer to is much like my background, the ancillary services that are associated with the sports world. Mm -hmm. So when you think about this, um, every major corporation most likely has a sports marketing platform being initiated. Um, you could work for, for instance, one of our newest members is from Molson Coors. Um, Molson Coors has a number of sport marketing opportunities in which they tie their brand to sports teams. Hmm. Um, similarly put, the other thing in terms of specifics, there are any number of roles you can work in terms of sports. Um, often we start with the concept of dream job with our students and mm. they'll typically say, you know, general manager for the Green Bay Packers. Um, <laughs> and, and we usually have to bring them down to earth a little bit and right. say, well, you don't normally get that as soon as you graduate your bachelor's degree, you have to start somewhere. And we give them an appreciation for where that is, meaning starting somewhere. So that could be player development, which would be a very typical early entry level role heading up towards mm. a general manager or it could be in ticket sales. Um, often the entry point is in a sales or marketing role for any one of those division one or professional teams. But at the same time, you could also go work for um, a YMCA at the local level. Mm. So I describe it as three different levels to my students. I'll talk about the community rec level. So you could talk about recreation, park districts, YMCAs, boys and girls clubs, anyone that are delivering a sport component to their organization, a sport management major can work in. And then you talk about the interscholastic and intercollegiate levels, 
While there's not many interscholastic type positions like a high school athletic director, and sometimes that flows with ed- education, mm-hmm. so it's tough to get into. But intercollegiate sports, athletic departments today are very large. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a number of positions. And then even at the Division three level, you'll find a number of full-time athletic department positions that don't have anything to do with coaching. So you've got to be the one responsible for game day operations. You've got to be the one responsible for marketing and promoting and selling sponsorships for Division Three, NAIA, Division Two, or Division One institutions. So there are literally thousands upon thousands of jobs, both directly in sports organizations as well as with those ancillary opportunities too. And I'm sure in many cases when you're talking about some of those, in a sense, smaller, lower-profile opportunities – they probably are some of the most interesting and beneficial work because probably the higher up in echelon you go, the more specialized and focused your work is. And probably in smaller organizations, uh, you're called upon to do a whole lot of different things and probably just learn the inner workings of the organization in a way that you might not in one of those sort of sexier situations. Greg, you hit a great point. You know, as I described my background about myself being very unique and very specific um, as part of our tour this past weekend you know we were in the media production room for a wild game hmm. and I did joke with somebody in regards to your operating board <laughs> there was way too many lights on that board for me to be responsible for pushing any of those buttons I don't have that background and I have to recognize the fact that that's not my forte but students have the ability to gain that knowledge whether it be direct in those majors or by just having discussions with their faculty about a vision of what they'd like to do, and then learning, are there majors that I should be combining to really get to that level? Um, I'll always talk to them about the uniqueness of a, a small private education they can get at a liberal arts institution and how to combine those majors to really open the door they want to get into. And I think that's a tremendous value that students need to explore more. Hmm. Um, because it does open more doors and it does give them an opportunity to present themselves as being unique. The other piece of it is, too, is encouraging students to seek those internship opportunities. Um, You really need that work experience to be able to set yourself apart in a competitive marketplace, meaning there's a lot of other college graduates who also want to work in sports. How are you going to separate yourself? How are you Mm. going to make yourself unique and distinctive when you meet with that employer and be able to explain to them, here's the internships I've done. Here's why I've done them. Here's what I've learned. Mm. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Jim Padilla, who is the Dean of the School of Business and Economics at Carthage College, uh, which, uh, opened up in the fall of 2022. So at the start of this academic year, Jim Padilla came to Carthage in July. And uh, the School of Business and Economics is having a celebratory launch event on Wednesday, April 5th, which we'll talk about very, very shortly. Uh, So Jim Padilla, let's have you just uh, offer some clarification on the way in which things are being done differently now in this aspect of the college uh, now versus before there was this thing called the School of Business and Economics. And it sounds like, uh, in particular, uh, you have sought to create maybe pathways in which some of these closely related disciplines can work together even more closely. 
Uh, is that right? And if so, in, in what ways is that already happening? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that is a great description of what you're describing, right? Um, the historical context of some of these majors not lying in the same academic units prior to this formation um, really wasn't necessarily uh, a negative per se. It's just a lot of it is a historical context of uh, Carthage itself, and then also the formation of different academic um, units over time. Um, now it's just with a little bit more purposefulness as to what should we form with and why. Um, and probably a huge highlight I'd like to mention is, is having economics be a part of our school of business not only ingrains us back into some core concepts of liberal arts education. So uh, unfortunately, many people assume that business isn't traditional liberal arts. It really isn't. Hmm. But more and more academic institutions that are liberal arts traditional institutions have developed business majors. And over time, it's, um, a, it's a priority to ensure the fact that those business majors are accepted amongst the rest of the liberal arts core. But the bigger part of it is a role such as mine is to try to find those opportunities for interdisciplinary collabor collaboration. Um, economics allows a little bit of that naturally within the unit now that they're a part of us. Again, there's a constant debate in higher education as to whether economics is a business concept or a social science. Hmm. Um, and it always depends upon which economist you're talking to sometimes. But the value of having them within our unit gives us a better connection to the world in which we're normally not seeing a part of. Hmm. But now that we're heading in that direction, you're seeing that value. Um, we have faculty in other areas who teach, for instance, in our sport management program, like John Bruning. Um, John's over in the public relations area, and John being in public relations and communications, being able to teach in our sport management realm, is a great um, great evidence piece showing the interdisciplinary opportunities that are available. Um, we're doing more and more with Nancy Reese in our nursing school. And I think mm -hmm. that is a trajectory for us to try to evolve into, given how large the healthcare industry is within the region here in Kenosha and how important it is, that's something our students need to appreciate more of. Not many undergraduate students who enter higher education, particularly with the thought of pursuing business, think, well, I want to get into healthcare. Um, but in reality, healthcare is an incredibly large business segment. And, and our students need to appre appreciate the value of working with those organizations that are in healthcare and the importance that they play to our society. Hmm. You came to Carthage in July, and if I understand correctly, the School of Business and Economics opened in the fall. So just a couple of months later. So I am assuming that at least some of the groundwork for this was laid well ahead of your arrival at, at Carthage. I'm just kind of curious about what that process was like. And if you, if you were sort of stepping onto an already moving train uh, and, 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 and just how much had to happen in a relatively short amount of time that's once a, you finally arrived. That's a great analogy about the already moving train. Yeah, if you could imagine, you know, it's like uh, if you've ever run on a treadmill and you put it on the run setting <laughs> and then you jump on. That, that's in, in, a, in a sense that is much of what was going on. But more importantly, all, all credit should be given to the colleagues that have been here for many years, some for decades, 
that have been in place at Carthage setting that foundation. Um, as an example, the late Yuri Maltsev um, in economics, while Yuri passed away this past January, um, Yuri was instrumental in helping build our economics department. Um, currently, uh, JJ Shields in our marketing department, um, Julie Dawson in accounting, um, you're talking about some longstanding faculty members, uh, Brent McClintock, um, longstanding faculty members that have put their heart and soul into establishing what was there when I arrived. And, and hopefully it gives you an appreciation of what excited me about working alongside those individuals, knowing how much they had put into it. Um, I always describe faculty as um, we're, we're emotionally tied to what we teach. And, and there's good and bad about it, but the good always outweighs the bad about that emotional tie because what the students end up receiving from that emotional tie to their educational field is a much more valuable education. And, and I always speak to students about, you know, when they ask me, why do you choose a Carthage College? Why go small private? I always explain to them, like, the, the personal aspect of what you can build relationship-wise with your faculty and staff on that campus um, is an incredible benefit to your launch into your future career. Um, we're the first references. We're the first letters of recommendation. We're also the first people often helping you network with the people that can hire you. All of that is incredible value just beyond the classroom experiences that we're giving you as well, too. Very good. Before we went on the air, we were talking just a little bit about the relationship between the School of Business and Economics and the renowned Claussen Center for World Business, uh, which we've heard so much about. And you were kind of explaining the way in which you are housed within them and, and, and so on. Uh, ex explain to our listeners what that relationship is. Yeah, the Claussen family have been uh, incredibly supportive of our institution overall. And uh, for those of you not familiar, on the north side of our campus uh, stands the Claussen Center. Um, uh, tied to Stras building as well too and science portions of it. Um, in the Clausen Center and the background associated with Mr. Clausen, um, they helped us not only build the functionality of having our School of Business with a distinctive location, but also the foundation behind the world political economy background associated with his background as well too. Uh, my colleague Art Sear, he's also in essence at the institution, my, my office next door neighbor. Um, Art leads that program and has been doing so. Again, another longtime colleague at Carthage College. Art is phenomenal. Um, for students to gain an appreciation for the global impact of what business can have, politics can have, and the economy can have tied together, um, that major in art's role plays a tremendous role in that. And to be sitting within it as our School of Business and Economics positioned within that should remind many people about our, our education is not just simply limited to Kenosha, Wisconsin, hmm. Milwaukee, Chicago, Midwest. We are national and international. Um, and any student who has the opportunity to attend Carthage would gain that experience, uh, particularly with our, not only just study abroad, but our purposeful J-term options that we offer where students get the opportunity to travel, interact with these global businesses. Um, for instance, this past January, um, a couple of our business colleagues took students to Sweden to meet with a number of businesses in Sweden. And another one of our colleagues took students to Belgium 
Hmm. Um, you know, getting our students out there and getting them exposed to really an international business component that we wouldn't necessarily get here. Don't get me wrong. There are some international global positioned businesses here in the area. But to be able to meet with those people who do business in a slightly different way, gain that appreciation, interact with them, and see what those and experience what those differences are uh, really lends an, another incredible value to the education that students get exposed to at Carthage. Hmm. We're speaking with Jim Padilla, who is dean of the School of Business and Economics at Carthage College. And we need to talk about uh, all that's going to be occurring on Wednesday, April 5th, this uh, celebratory launch event to celebrate what has already happened and to celebrate what is to come in terms of the School of Business and Economics. Tell our listeners about the festivities planned for Wednesday, April 5th, and in particular the very special keynote speaker that uh, you are bringing in. Yes, um, we've got uh, pretty much an entire afternoon and evening planned um, for this celebratory launch on Wednesday, April 5th. Um, it starts with our business coalition roundtables. So if there's any business executives in town who want to be a part of this, at each roundtable we will have faculty as well as um, a community leader who will be talking about important topics related to our world and distinctive topics, um, much like we talked about earlier, whether they be accounting, finance, marketing, um, digital media sales, whatever it might be. We, we try to set up enough tables to be representative of key areas. And what we want is community partners as part of that. So it's going to give community partners an opportunity to interact with not only others um, from other areas, but also our faculty as well, too. So that starts at 3 o'clock. Um, and then as we progress out of there, we'll have an open public reception starting at 4 o'clock over by the Clawson Center. And then from 4 o'clock, um, just a networking session amongst business professionals, our students, our faculty, and other staff on campus. We'll flow into our keynote speaker at 5.30. Our keynote speaker is Kunal Kapoor, the CEO for Morningstar down in Chicago. Hmm. Um, Kunal, we couldn't have found a better representative of liberal arts education <laughs> and business future. Uh, Kunal is a liberal arts undergrad. Um, he went on to the University of Chicago to earn an MBA from the Booth School. And he's risen the ranks, uh, essentially, at Morningstar, starting as an entry-level employee, now ending up in the CEO role. Um, over that time, um, he's led product development, innovation, sales and marketing, and uh, responsibilities for driving strategic prioritization. Um, Morningstar plays an incredibly large role in our ratings and research fields associated with investments. Um, to have Canal be able to make the trek up from Chicago to be on our campus is an incredible opportunity for people to connect with Canal, and uh, we couldn't be more appreciative of his time. Very good. So, uh, what do people do if they want to be a part of the events on April 5th? Do they? Is this an event for which people need to register? Absolutely. We're looking for as many, obviously, RSVPs as possible so we can properly track it and ensure the fact that we have enough food and drinks for the opportunities that people are there for. Um, so they can actually reach out to me if they'd like to. Um, they can email me or call me. You can reach me at jpadilla at carthage.edu. Or feel free to call me in the office as well, too, 262-551-6312. Happy to get you on the RSVP list and happy to send you the invitations directly. 
Very good. And we'll uh, repeat all of that at the top of the hour just before we let you go. Uh, before we let you go, I would love to return to this fascinating early chapter in your professional life uh, when you were uh, essentially working with some big-name professional athletes, I mean, the likes of Kurt Warner and Rob Gronkowski, among others, uh, in kind of an interesting aspect that we don't maybe immediately think about impacting uh, the lives of professional athletes, but of course it really does, the whole matter of, of insurance. First of all, explain a little bit about this particular kind of insurance uh, that you were working with that figures so prominently in the careers of, of athletes. Yeah, it, it sounds awful fancy, doesn't it? But <laughs> to those of us who are traditional working people, um, just think about a, your typical line of employee benefits. The only difference being is professional athletes don't normally get typical employee benefits. So um, you and I qualify for short and long-term disability via our employers often. But for athletes, they often don't have that. And they also often work in a field in which they're not only do they lack employee benefits, but they lack um, other types of means to protect their futures relative to what their earning power is. Um, so if you can imagine, if you were a uh, incredible neurosurgeon, very unique in your field, um, and you were 30 years old and had an incredible future ahead of you, um, there'd be a lot of future earnings available to you, just as that neurosurgeon has the ability to purchase additional disability insurance beyond what a hospital might provide for him or his practice might provide for him. Athletes purchase the same thing uh, on themselves. But often for athletes, the only thing that's available is that, in essence, a long-term disability policy, but it's it's not just long-term, it's career-ending. Mm. Um, so you, you have to stop playing your sport. Um, there are variations that are out there in addition to that career-ending insurance. Um, there's what's called loss of value as well, too. But those are far and few between. Most athletes are purchasing some version of a long-term disability policy, career-ending disability policy that protects them in their future earnings that get lost when they can't. Um, you know, any day now, we, we might see Aaron Rodgers traded, but um, rarely do we see the football player with the mega-guaranteed deals like quarterbacks have, and Aaron's at the end of his career. Sorry, Aaron, that mm -hmm. might be news to you, but um, <laughs> he's appreciate he he's approaching the the end of his career, and I think he recognizes that. But um, you know, imagine when Aaron was 24 years old and just getting his first starting opportunities, and what you know, after our first few games, people got excited. Um, often. An athlete will recognize after those first few games they're in essence underpaid mm. because they start to realize their real earning power as it's being played out, and then they have to ensure that future for themselves, getting themselves to that point. Right. And I suppose, I mean, in some ways that, uh, that terrifying spectacle that some of us saw about that Buffalo Bills player, his name escapes me, who was stricken with some kind of cardiac event right on the field. And, of course, at this point, I don't think we know for certain, but it's quite likely that this 
very talented young football player's career is over in a flash. And, uh, and so for somebody like that, the kind of insurance that you are talking about uh, is, is a way to guard against that awful possibility, which happens rarely, but certainly does happen. And so I guess that's what we're talking about, a special kind of insurance crafted for these kind of athletes at this sort of level of the game. Yeah, um, and I do forget his first name, but I know it's Hamlin is his last name. And, and uh, having watched that game, it, it was, you know, as a fan, it's surreal to watch. Um, what most often gets uh, uh, overlooked is the amount of consistent regular injuries that happen to athletes on an everyday basis that in actuality are more likely to lead to career ending mm. than Hamlin's. Mm. Um, Hamlin's was not only uh, a bit of a, an anomaly, right? Most professional athletes have been through so many physicals in their lifetime that if there were any pre-existing conditions, they would have most likely been found. Um, there have been numerous instances of whether it be football, basketball, baseball, um, hockey, uh, players' heart conditions being discovered at mm. different points of their careers and having their careers ended because doctors have recommended with their heart conditions you shouldn't continue playing. Um, oddly, but you all can't always predict, you know, what might cause somebody's cardiac arrest at some point? It, it is a um, highly charged physical game that unique conditions get presented at unique moments that could cause these things like what, ha- what happened to Hamlin to occur. Hmm. But like you very well mentioned, um, and then it becomes what damage may have been done to his heart during that incident and all of the life-saving procedures that were attempted on him that may prevent him from returning to his sport. Um, That is, how often does that happen? First one I've seen in my entire career where a player has had a heart attack on the field, essentially. Um, I've seen the the paralysis injuries occur. Um, That's happened more often than what we saw with Hamlin, Mm -hmm. which is scarier. Right. Um, Both instances cause concern. Right. And of course, one of the things I suppose it's important, too, is that it's one thing when something happens to a high level player. I mean, when Joe Theismann suffered that brutal injury again, right on the field for any of us watching the game, we'll just never forget that moment. But for every instance like that, there's probably 10 instances involving players of much less public profile, oh, yeah. but who essentially the same thing happens. Their, their careers are effectively ended uh, by an injury, and it maybe makes a, a relatively small headline for a day or two and then kind of gets lost to time. And, uh, but what you're talking about is working with athletes to try to ensure that uh, in the event that their career is suddenly ended, uh, that they have a place to turn and something that uh, can sustain what, what what is their situation, at least financially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it is to really, we give an appreciation, we used to give them an appreciation for um, finding a new career. 
Um, it's never easy, especially if you've worked so long to reach that level, to in a moment lose what you've worked years, potentially decades to get to, um, and then get your mind ready. Okay, now I have to go enter the normal working world potentially and never play football again. Um, it's hard. So often, while part of the money is um, future earnings, part of the money is also what what way would you like to reinvest in yourself now hmm. um, without having to sell your house, um, uh, liquidate your assets, you know, financially protect yourself because your, your, your paycheck at the end of the season will cease potentially. Um, so often it's about getting them an appreciation for, well, this will buy you some time financially, and then this will also help you maybe reinvest in yourself, maybe finish your degree, uh, maybe pursue a license for a new career that you see yourself pursuing. So um, the athletes themselves, the insured people, get to choose, thankfully, what they want to use that money for. But the important thing is giving them that flexibility and time to make those decisions. Fascinating. Were your interactions ever with the athletes, or were you more typically interacting with their agents or other managers? Yeah, all the above. It was. Oh. Re- it's been really interesting. Um, sometimes there's the go-betweens, um, both on the college end as well as the professional end, and then sometimes it was direct. Um, you know, I, for those of us out there in our careers that have spent some time cold calling, hmm. yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I pride myself on my co- my cold calling abilities um, because it, not only was it valuable in regards to my future, it was valuable in regards to giving st- my prospective clients an appreciation for my approach, um, how I tried to educate them and their parents or their agents or financial advisors. Uh, sometimes I was educating. Uh, team executives, GMs, risk managers for the teams themselves, giving them an appreciation for what we do and how we do it. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, we could talk all day just about that, but of course (laughs) we want to circle back quickly to the event coming up on Wednesday, April 5th, the launch of the School of Business and Economics at Carthage College. Uh, Remind our listeners very briefly of kind of the the hours of that event on on April 5th, the guests coming in, and what people should do if they want to register to attend. Absolutely, Greg. Thank you again. Um, Our business coalition roundtables begin at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, That's where we're having local business executives as well as faculty interact and talking about amongst the different attendees, hot topics in certain areas, accounting, finance, marketing, uh, management, different related areas, economics, uh, politics of economics. Um, We'll head into a uh, networking session that's open to the public at 4 o'clock as well too. And then Kunal Kapoor, our uh, guest speaker, who's the CEO of Morningstar, We'll start around 5.30 after some opening remarks. And if people want to register to attend? They can reach out to me at jpadilla, P-A-D-I-L-L-A, at carthage.edu. Or they can call me as well, too, 262-551-6312. Jim Padilla, Dean of the School of Business and Economics at Carthage College. Uh, It's been great to have you on the morning show today. I have enjoyed this very, very much and wish you well and hope for uh, many people will attend the the big event on Wednesday, April 5th. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you on future occasions here on the morning show. Greg, thank you for your time and go Firebirds.